Tonight we're talking, what was the title again? Grow up or maturity or something to that effect. But it's about growing up. I got offended when I was younger. My pastor was preaching a sermon. I tested it out on my pastors that I have now in our church. And I saw the look on their faces. I told them, you're still teenagers in the spirit. Not recently. But a few years ago, I said to them, you're teenagers. And, they, and I could see they submit, but they don't like it. And I got offended because my pastor preached a sermon about uh, the growth phases of a Christian. And it began at, at, at infancy, how children grow up and how a baby is, is fed without choice. You, you don't have a choice what you eat as a baby. You just cry and eat. And, and you, you go through these phases, but I remember him saying that you may think very well that you're an adult in the spirit and you're still a teenager in the spirit, a know-it-all, somebody that's too arrogant and proud and, and thinks he has all the answers. We should have humility in, in, in the way that we pursue the things of God. We should have humility. It's, it's, it's stupid to, to stand up in the middle of a fight or in a war and stand up with your gun thinking that they can't hit you with a bullet. And sometimes we stand up in the wrong timing, making a noise when we shouldn't be drawing attention. You put a bullseye on your back just because you want to be a clown. You shouldn't do that. You should be humble until God uses the right moment to do what he needs to do in your life. But I, I don't like it what the pastor said because everything he mentioned, when I went through the tick list, I could tick all of the boxes. Now, I don't remember his sermon. It was too many years ago. and We didn't have MP3 and, and USB sticks to record these. We had tapes. They literally had to cut you a tape. Do you know what a TDK tape is? Who know? Who, yeah, you don't know, man. You're lying. Yeah, that girl. Maybe it's because your dad maybe knows what a TDK tape. We had tapes that you, if it, it, you had to spin it on a pencil to rewind it. You, you know what I'm talking about? That's how we got our prophecies from church. Somebody prophesies, you go to the front desk, you say, I want my prophecy. They say, just wait. You wait like a half an hour because they have to cut this thing for you. I was the guy in church. Let me just reminisce for a minute. I was the guy in church that brought, that had the, yeah, uh, projector. what do you call it? Overhead projector that reverse lamps that you put these transparency things on. Chanel and I was managing that for the church. We managed that for the church. And we had to slide that thing and you had a white paper to over it because only the chorus part. And you know by now, I can't even sing. I can't keep a tune. I don't know what, I don't know nothing about songs. And Chanel, I was looking into her eyes. The church was singing the wrong stuff. And you would see Pastor Dion looking at me, go like, oh, you stupid. And I would go like, yeah. I don't even know what I was saying. Maturity. We need to, we, I, I didn't like it when he told me that I'm still a teenager. I, I made all the tick marks in the spirit. And, and we need to grow up as Christians. As, as children, we can throw tantrums. But if you ever, you, you could see in, in, in malls often, a kid would throw a tantrum. And for instance, this afternoon, Kenzie was in the swimming pool with all the other kids Kyra's age. And we had to leave she didn't, because I have to be back at church to preach. That's sort of what I do on a Sunday. 
she didn't want to leave. She could throw a tantrum. She was there on the rugby field, hitting her hands and just crying. And we imagine me, 44 years old, on the cricket pitch there, crying because I don't want to go preach. Somewhere along, the behavior has to change because there is maturity that sets in. Now, I have good news for you that your spiritual age is not connected to your physical age. Biological age is a better word. Your biological age and your spiritual age is not the same thing. You can be much more mature spiritually than the age of your body. It is possible that if you pay attention that God can help you through His Spirit, have you understand deep things. And have you under, understand uh, the word, the better word for that Christianese would be um, to have an old spirit. Because that's what eventually what happened just a short while before we were sent out to plant this church. We had a prophet come to our church in Shalom Worship Center. And um, he prophesied over me and he said to me that you are an old spirit. And that God has put wisdom on you. Now, if you look at the continuation of how God begins a journey in your life, it's amazing. Because when I got baptized, um, one of the guys in the Netherlands, I think he's in the Netherlands, his father actually baptized me as a young boy. And they prophesied over me and said, God said, you'll have wisdom beyond your age. Now, in the middle somewhere, they told me, you're still a teenager. And then at this prophecy, they said, you are now, you have an old spirit and a young body which means that God is connected. None of these people knew or were connected in these things, which tells you that God's hand is involved in it. So, so you are able to mature if you can pay attention and have some spiritual understanding, which you need. Children can, can be radically influenced by what is happening in, in their environments. If there's a shift in their environment, it messes up their, their old age radically. It, it confuses them psychologically. If, if parents go through a tough time, it manifests in the children. Maybe not now, but in their future. The children exhibit behavior changes because of what happened there. But when an adult, things happen to him, the adult is supposed to be more mature because they can handle it. When a child loses a parent at a young age, it has a much more radical effect on that child compared to somebody like myself having lost my dad about a month ago. You, I, I mean, I was sad, but I had to move on immediately. That Sunday, I could still preach. Regardless, because I'm supposed to be mature. Now, in, in the realm of the spirit, if your spirit doesn't mature and you are not growing up as a Christian, life will beat you down. A mature person don't go to the office because they feel like it. I, in school, I didn't go to school because I didn't feel like it. Which is not a sign of maturity. It's a sign of stupidity. Because I didn't think that maths made a difference at that time because I was a teenager and I thought I knew better. So as a young person, you, you, you feel like you, you go when you want to. Uh, if you sign up for a gym contract, you go when you feel like it. As an adult, you know that you regularly go, not because you like it. It doesn't matter if the wind changes or the weather is, is not favorable. You do what you need to do because that's expected of you. In Christianity, it's the same. Some of the ways, this is not in my notes, I'm just talking from, I'll get to my notes. Give me a second. But in the church history that I've got, in my church history, the first church we were in, their number, they grew. They lost their first 10. The 10 blew away. They lost all of that. Then went through a building project. 
then lost the pastor, then shrunk to 10 people, then radically grew up again to a large number, then went through. There's always things that's going through the church. Immature Christians move when the environment's not fun. But mature Christians don't stay in a place because it's fun. They stay in a place because they're responsible. You don't put responsibility on a child. You put, responsi you, you, you put responsibility in increments on a child to get them to learn from that how to be mature. But an adult is expected to be responsible. You don't learn responsibility as such much more when you're already grown up. You don't decide to go to work because you feel like it. You go because you have to. And then because you're more mature, you learn how to enjoy it. That's real maturity. That's, that's a, a level up. Make sense? So we have to talk through this and try and understand how we can be more mature. Now, here is the consequence of not being properly mature. He says in Matthew 17 verses 14 to 25, a boy is healed. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Oh, these are not things that's supposed to happen because the gifts of the Holy Spirit doesn't function anymore in the church. They will cease to happen the moment I leave, but we'll write the whole Bible about these things, but not use them. Sorry, man, that's <laughs> what most people read. It's not what's written. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Oh, faithless. If there, why would Jesus have them not be faithless? Why was this in the Bible if it's not pertinent to my spiritual growth? Oh, faith, it's not a history book. It is, do you know that God is unchanging? That he is unchanging. He was, is, and will be. Do you know why he doesn't change? When you change, you get better or you get worse. So if Jesus were to change, it would mean that he is either getting better and was therefore worse, or he is getting worse and was therefore better and is now not that good. So God is unchanging. His unchanging state means that he was and is and will be exactly just and was also always and has always been up to this point perfect. He doesn't need to change because he is not getting better or he is not getting worse. That's an amazing thing. He is the only constant stable thing in your life is God, the unchanging God. We consistently, on the other hand, do change. We always and consistently change. Whatever happens to us makes us better or it makes us worse. He says, oh, faithless and perverse. That's a, it's a nasty thing to say to your disciples. I mean, we're sitting at dinner. He just changes you straight up. Hey, you perverse person. How do I pray for this? It's like nice. How do I pray for this person to be healed, Jesus? Oh, you perverse man, you. Imagine Jesus calls you perverse. How many would leave the church if I were to call you straight up phone? Hey, John, how you doing? You perverse boy, you. <laughs> I 
We would take offense immediately. We would, that's church abuse. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. That very hour, the child was cured from that very hour. Was that then an immediate miracle? It's not the point, but I don't think so. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. There is teaching in just that one sentence before we move on. If you say to this mountain, move, it will move. How we pray is, Jesus, will you move the mountain, please? Now let just that simmer for a moment. He says to them, if you say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move. What we do is, Jesus, will you please move the mountain? Because if it doesn't happen, it's not you. We abdicate responsibility. Responsibility means you are mature. You don't have to question your exercising of your faith if you're not responsible for things not happening. We don't do miracles, Jesus does. So it's never you. You don't have to question your faith because it's never you. It's Jesus. I know it's Jesus. Don't confuse the matter again. I know it's Jesus. He is the miracle worker. It's in His name that these miracles happen, but He is teaching them, you say to the mountain, move. You speak to the mountain, you tell the mountain, move. So we don't talk to the mountain, we talk to Jesus to talk to our mountain. Jesus won't move your mountain. It's like David saying Jesus, or, well, he couldn't say Jesus, but he, he could, well, he did have a revelation of Jesus, but he wouldn't say Jesus, the name wasn't revealed. It's like him saying to God, God, will you kill the giant? He said, today, God will deliver you into my hands. He looks at him, he goes like, check me, China. <laughs> Papi, you're gonna fall. I come and do it in Puerto Rico. Today, he, God will deliver you into my hands. He says it to him. And then he stands there, waits for God to do it. Or does he take the sling and does it? And so they sing songs about David for killing the giant. Was it God or David? It's David, but it's God. It's God because God gave him into the hands of David, but it was David, but it, but it was God. But it was David. David took the sling. Say to the mountain, move. The mountain will move, but we don't talk to our mountains. You don't talk to your marriage problems. You don't talk to your depression. You don't talk to your sickness. You don't tell it to leave. You ask Jesus to do it. So he says, perverse and faith. He says, perverse and faith, this generation, perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? Why couldn't we get it out? It's Jesus said, because you of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Every time the Bible talks about prayer and fasting, is speaking about discipline in my mind. This is a very, very hard thing, but this is a sign of maturity. Children are not disciplined. 
You cannot tell me that you are mature but not disciplined. You cannot be mature and undisciplined. Discipline is a discipline of the matured. You can only be disciplined if you have some maturity and understanding. <clears throat> now, you should be able to relate to this. If you're still young and you have athletes in your school that are doing very well, you'll see them be disciplined in their practice. It's very seldom that you see an athlete perform that, that shows up when they want to show up. And it is often those that we call talented. When they're not talented, they're just disciplined. And their discipline makes their, their sport look like they're talented. And then we compliment their talent, but we ignore the fact that it was discipline that brought them to that place. Discipline leads you to maturity. Uh, so, so when it says, this kind does not come out except by prayer and by fasting. Much of our lives don't get taken out. The problems that we struggle with, the stuff we pray about, the stuff we even speak to doesn't move. The mountain doesn't move because there is no prayer and no fasting. There's a lack of discipline in our lives because we want shortcut, two-minute noodle solutions. What's wrong with my mouth? I'm getting to speak like Vin Diesel, man. Like an American. And I wasn't even in America, I was in Mexico. Papi. Now, have you ever had a dog run up to you? You have two choices, run or stand your ground. And I wouldn't stand my ground to any dog, but there have been once or twice a dog come up. Well, I've been bitten three times in my entire life by dogs. That's why I don't like dogs. Big ones around me. But if you, if you, if the dog is running up to you and you go like, shoo, shoo, shoo. You have to have some authority in your life. So I'm practicing, we have this big dog in our house. This is about this big. So I'm, I'm practicing my authority on this dog. But when you speak to it, this one ignores me. But normally, generally, <laughs> if you speak to your mountain, nothing will move. If you don't believe in your voice, you can hear it in your voice that you don't believe what you're saying. You know when someone's lying, you ask them, do you know how I know they know and how you know? Because I practice this by lying. Um, I never smoked, but there was a man in our church who smoked. And so he quit smoking for like an hour. And the pastor said to him, have you quit smoking? And I remember him pausing for a minute. Yes. <laughs> and I realized at that moment, that pastor doesn't believe that man because of the way he said it. And much of, of, of people's lying, you can, you can, if you pay attention, hear the slight pause of the slight change in pitch and voice. And it's the same with your authority when you speak and when you pray and when you speak to the devil. We sort of suggest to him to move. We sort of suggest that he should, should stop because we are appealing to his moral compass. We're sort of trying to negotiate with him. Because people ask stupid questions like, can the devil be saved? And we don't want to offend him. 
that's not the topic for tonight. We're not there. Not in this church. But the fact is that if you are a person that prays and you have a lifestyle of praying, it speaks to your ability to understand that you can't have what God wants to do in your life without connecting Him to it. And we sometimes want the result without connecting Him to it. And people are concerned that we're ignoring God as the one doing the work. But there'll be no work done if God is not connected to it. And it's that connection in prayer that tells God, you still understand that it's I'm that's doing, me that's doing the work. If you have proper understanding that it is God, your prayer life will be in place. It is because of the immature Christian's perspective that because of my skill, I can maintain course. I don't need God. It's why I can neglect my prayer life. And when you begin to neglect your prayer life, God begins to stop speaking to you. And you so slightly, ever so slightly begin to move out of the will and the purpose and the provision of God. And when you speak, you'll soon find that it's only your voice and not God's voice in your voice speaking to your problem. He says to them, because of your unbelief, you could not do anything. How many of us could not do anything to our circumstances? And to, if you can't even fix your circumstance, how can God use you as a voice to another person's problems? God says, be the first one to take the log out of your own eye so that you can see the splinter in your brother's eyes. We're so there busy with a tweezer in the splinter of a brother's eyes, but we forget the log in our own eyes. We can't deal with it because of our own unbelief. And I want to submit to you because of our immaturity in God. And this leads so slightly in, I want to just make, take a minute and talk to you from the book of John. The book of John, uh, not John. It's not the book of John. I want to talk to you from the book of James. I've changed my mind. It's not John, it's James. James is, 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 is written by, some say, James the just, Jesus' brother. This is, there's verses that would collaborate this. And it's very possible that he, the brother of Jesus, wrote this. He opens in James 1. We're not going to go through the whole book of James, but I'm going to highlight one or two scriptures from it. James deals with the mature Christian how to move from, from getting into Christianity and then living out the expectation of God in your Christianity. You should all really go and read James. You can read James before you get into bed tonight. James is five short chapters. You can read James in 10, 15 minutes flat if you are a student and an academic that studies and researches. If you're like me, it'll take you dilapidated three hours, but you can still read it. As you know, with your finger lees, but you can read James and you can read it fast and you should read it fast. James is written to the 12 tribes of Israel. So he's reading, uh, writing this letter uh, to the scattered Judaizer, Judaizers. And he, he write, this is seen in James 1 verse 1. Then he says, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters in the King James, it says, brethren, whether you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. Let perseverance, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. So maybe, let's read it slow, put it on the screen. Pay attention, don't fall asleep. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Maybe God is not trying to kill you. Maybe you're on trial. 
Maybe you're on trial. And maybe what you're on trial for is to test your faith. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Put it in the NIV for me, please. Ah, it doesn't matter. Next one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. <clears throat> so the disciples has this child that falls over and falls into the fire, falls into the water. They can't heal him. God says to them, it's because of your unbelief. And this will not go out without prayer and fasting. His testing is a possible test of their faith. This circumstance is testing the depth of their faith. When we built this building, it tested the depth of our faith. Pastor Wilbert's building a brand new house, brand new, building it himself. He's not even a builder in the sense that he didn't start off his career as a builder. He, he is just a man with a deep voice. And he's building his first house, but it's, this, this is testing because it's not the building of the house. That's not the problem. It's paying and financing it. When the interest rates are so high, it's, it's, it's testing. It's testing the depths of his faith. If he wants to trust God for more, he has to go through certain things that test his faith. If you want to go to university, but you don't have the finances, maybe that's testing your faith. Maybe you should speak to the mountain and say, move. It says it's testing your faith. It produces perseverance. And so in the testing of your faith, it causes you to slow down. There's resistance. And so against this res resistance, you have to consistently persevere. Perseverance doesn't happen when you're moving with what is nice. I have to take this slow so that you can hear me. I, I don't want to lose you. So young person, please wake up. Older people are easy. You're already awake because you've gone through life. Watch, move on. Uh, next one. Let perseverance finish its work. So your faith has to be tested so that you can persevere. Keep going. Keep going. It's not easy, but I have to keep going. I don't know how to make this work, but I have to keep going. Everybody's against me, but I have to keep going. I don't have the money. I have to keep going. I don't have the answers. I have to keep going. I can't see where I'm going. I have to keep going. I'm persevering. If you want to grow up, put it back on. If you want to grow up, persevere. Because when perseverance finishes its job, when you get out of matric, not in South Africa, another country, you should be able to count or read or speak or write. In other countries, you can do that when you finish the trick. Because school has finished its work. Perseverance finishes its works. You are mature. When perseverance is done teaching you, you're mature. Now God can put in your lap responsibility. Here's, here's what I thought. When you become an architect, because we're dealing with architects every now and then when we build something. You go to university and they give you an assignment. They say, let's teach you how to draw. Then you draw a house. 
Then they give you like 60% or 70%. That makes sense, right? You write an exam, you draw something. Eventually, you should be able to draw and understand how you walk through a house. You draw a plan, you get for the assignment, you get like 70 or 80%. That's nice. But if I pay you 150,000 Rand to draw my house, I don't want a 70% plan. There's a difference between what you got, got you through into the degree and what it looks like in practice. When I went to Bible school and they got me on a platform to preach, they could give me a mark. It could be okay, I get a 60, 70, 80%, whatever that may be. But when I'm preaching to you tonight, lives depend on it because this is not practice. This is not practice. So God is testing your faith. And in this testing, it's perseverance that you have to keep on persevering so that you get to a place where you are mature. Watch this. Mature, maturity is accompanied by being complete. Maturity is completion. You are complete when you are mature. Some of us are still stuck in the trials of faith. We're still figuring out, do I want to do this? There's no maturity in you if you're trying to figure out, am I a Christian? Do I like this? Can I give up my buddies? Lacking anything, lacking nothing, not lacking anything. That's the right reading. You see? Jumping between NIV and King James. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. So what is that? It's, it's in trials that God says, ask me wisdom. So he's saying, you go through trials to test your faith so that I can see if you can persevere. And if you persevere, that's how you build maturity. If you lack wisdom, ask me, how does wisdom work when you're complete? No, wisdom begins in the trials. God's saying to you, ask me. So we don't ask God to move the mountain. We ask him for wisdom to move the mountain. I don't know if you're following. We don't ask God to move the mountain, but when I'm in trouble, I ask God for wisdom. And God's wisdom is not make money, pay your bills. God's wisdom is this is how you deal with that. Wisdom is without prayer and fasting, this kind doesn't go out. It's, it's wisdom from above to deal with what you have on the ground. Ask of me and I shall give it to you. What God will do is he will not kill your giant for you. He'll give you the wisdom to deal with your giant. He'll tell you, use a sling, not a hand. Don't curse him, speak to it, rebuke it. Whatever you need to do, he'll give you wisdom. He says, ask of me and I shall give it generously. Wisdom, ask God wisdom. He'll give you wisdom. He doesn't withhold, he wants you to shine. He's put his light in you to shine. He wants you to prosper and to be successful. You are not a witness if you stay in trials. I can't testify of the provision of God if I'm still fighting for the provision. God wants to complete the stories in our lives so that we have anchor lights in our history that we can look back to and say the unchanging God who helped me there will be the unchanging God who will help me in my future. He goes on, he says, um, Verse 21 of chapter 1, therefore get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. James is appealing to us to grow up. He says, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. Humbly accept the word of God that is in you, that it can save you. He says in 22, do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves. Don't think that because you're in church, don't deceive yourselves. 
the work is not done. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. It says it right here. You should highlight it. It's highlighted in my Bible. Do what it says. When I read to you the scripture, a person that is your oversight, respect and honor and sub be submissive. Do what it says. When you get upset with me, that verse is tested. That's a trial of your faith. Let me connect the dots for you. When me and you have a disagreement in the body of Christ concerning whatever, the world on the outside would have me say nothing to you because I'm not supposed to say anything to you. You're you and I'm me. We don't get involved in my life. But in Christian kingdom culture, when I'm submitted, my pastor says to me, do this, I jump. My pastor, I would not buy a car without asking my pastor permission. In my ignorance, I thought that this is how it works and it's fine because it speaks to my heart that says I'm submissive. Don't phone me to find out if you can buy a car, just buy it. And one day the pastor said to me, don't buy the car. Why do you want to buy it? I said, this is a nice car. He said, no, you want to show off. And I didn't buy the car. I didn't buy it. I wish I did. It was a good deal. But just because he said, don't do it, I didn't do it. Because I'm practicing what the word says. I don't just speak it. When you disagree with me and want to leave the church, and I'm telling you, you want to leave because there's rebellion in your heart. You want to leave because somebody didn't greet you well or this ex-girlfriend is in your you group, don't leave. And you still leave. You're not doing what the word says. You're immature. You think maturity, how does it manifest? It's the ability to discipline the flesh and say, God, I'll do what, what I'm told to do where you want me to be. And everybody should have somebody in front of them that they can listen to and get advice from. Put that verse up there. Let me see. I'm going to rush. I'm going to get this done. Do what it says. Anyone who doesn't, who listens to the word, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at this. Uh, you read that. Verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep the tight rein on their tongue deceives themselves and the religion is worthless. How, how does that work out for those who have much to say about the church and just rebukes everything and judges everything, which clearly reveals your ignorance of the word of God? And he says, it's merely display religion. There's no substance to it. We move on. Chapter two, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Faith and deeds are married. Deeds don't get you saved, but your salvation has to have deeds. Your deeds doesn't get you saved, but because you are saved, you have deeds. You cannot divorce deeds and faith from one another. I am not saved because of deeds, but because I am saved, I have now got deeds. Being saved says to me that I've changed 180 degrees from my previous life to now pursue Jesus. Because of this, now there is deeds. I've turned away from a deedless life where I don't have works. I am careless about God. But now that I turn to him freely by faith, because I now pursue him, there are works in my life. This is what James is advocating. He says your faith is worthless if it is not followed by deeds. You cannot divorce faith and deeds. Maturity, maturity in Christ says, I say it and I do it. A child makes a promise but doesn't fulfill it. A mature person does what he says. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
because a mature person can do the calculation. This is what it'll cost me if I say yes. And when I've said yes, I'll pay that price. I'm able to. The calculation is made. A child cannot calculate that. They don't know the cost of things. If you're a mature person in God, you should know yourself well enough to say that if I commit to this, this is what I'll do. So does it make sense? He talks there about if one says to them, go and be, he's trying to say to you, listen, if you don't have works, you're just simply shouting about faith. You're like the disciples who praise, but nothing happens. If that demon doesn't go out, you should be like the disciples that says to Jesus, why didn't it go out? If you're praying in your youth groups for a person that is sick and he doesn't get healed, don't go like, ach, my Jesus, heal net sometimes. That's a low budget answer. That's void of depth of faith. Why does God not heal? Every time I pray, nothing happens. Must be Jesus. Cannot be me. No, maybe it's you. No, but there are others who say that these gifts have ceased. Yeah, that's, that's a, a left turn out of responsibility. Because those people won't see a miracle because miracles sort of follow those that believe. They don't believe. And now because you don't see miracles and you refuse to change, you would rather follow them. You know what will happen? No miracles. But there are those that God does miracles through. Not because they're good, because God is good through them. And God is able to do miracles and when nothing happens in your life, begin to pray. Seek Him. Ask Him. Desire it. And if it takes you five years, 10 years or 30 years, ask God, why when I pray nothing happens? And when you begin to pray like this, God will begin to work in your heart. And eventually you won't have the need to pray in front of people or whatever the case may be. And you'll have to be so calm when you pray for someone that it, there'll be no, all these junk will be taken out. Sometimes God will do a miracle. No one even has to know because there's maturity in you. I, I don't want to get there, but right at the end, chapter five, let's jump. You're going to read chapters one through five tonight. Homework from church. Can you believe it? Chapters one to five. I want to get the per portion where he says the fervent It's in the new King James. The NIV doesn't say it the way, same way. The fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. I love this verse. I lived my life on this verse. The fervent prayer of the righteous man. The fervent prayer of the mature person. Because he knows that his righteousness is from God. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Pray for one another so that sometimes one in a hundred people may be healed. That's not what it says. The fervent prayer of a righteous man there is male and female. Avails much. You don't have, because when last did you have a firach prayer life? When last did you have a night of having fervent prayer in your prayer closet, kicking the devil, stomping on his head, saying in Jesus' name, let me go right now. I'm commanding you to lose me right now. In this area of my life, I untie everything you got against me. Mountain move. Mountain move. Mountain move. 
God wants to do great things in your life, but he can only do it if you allow him to help you grow up. Because God's not going to put responsibility on a child's shoulders. Children are, are looked after. Mature people look after. 